John Dawson of Patio Daddy Barbecue in Boise, Idaho, and I've got it locked on the 50,000 gigawatt blowtorch of the internet that is Barbecue Central. Happy to have you aboard here for the really big barbecue show. Boing. We cook because we have to, and we grill because we want to. Hit me! Fine, how's it going? You have a great show, I'm a big fan. Boing. So what 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 seems to be the problem here? This man looks like he's dead and he's in the in the crackle. Charbono! It's all about the Charbono, dude! Succulent fish! What? We ate two feet for wiener. But listen, Lavernia, shit feet. I'm shaking like a dog shit peach seed. <laughs> we have top men working on it right now. Meanwhile, getting murdered on the email for telling Susie Bullock there's no wrong answers, and then five seconds later, dropping the hammer. (laughs) Oh, she's a good sport. She gets the show. Come on. Yeah, and by the way, uh, 0.0 people ever not resubscribing to Susie because she said uh, open pit. I mean, come on. Next time, it's all food talk all the time. But a great story. I mean, I was fascinated as I had read through her bio and uh, did a little research on her through the internet and then obviously following her on social media. I mean, that's a unique story. That's a story, I mean, that has a lot of balls. You have a nice corporate job. You have, uh, in the beginning, what was $500 a month, and then you have... Your wife telling you, hey, I'm going to make this thing work, and you are going to leave your job by the end of the year, and they made it happen. So if that's not a success story, I don't know what is. And to her point, do any of us want to have a full-time job cooking barbecue and being sponsored by great companies and being able to monetize social media? Hell yes, all of us do. Am I quitting my truck sales job? Hell no, I'm not. It's not that I don't like to take a risk. It's that I want all of the money. I want all of the show money, and I want all of the truck money. Truck sales are brisk right now. Class 8 is through the roof. You want a brand new Peterbilt? See you spring of 2020. No! Can't get a new truck this year, Jones. Can't get one. Come holla at me in 2020. Hey, still to come on the show tonight, the embedded correspondence segment coming up in about seven minutes. That's right. Don't forget, you can follow me socially at BBQ Central Show on the Instagram and Twitter. As a matter of fact, here's how you get in touch with the show. You can get in touch with the show by calling 216-220-0966. Sending an email? Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Or on the Twitter and Instagrams at BBQ Central Show. By the way, shout out to Emma Ray for voicing that. One of my favorite voiceover artists right now. Fell in love with her voice when I heard her introing her uh, her dad's barbecue show, the Steve Ray Show. The uh, barbecue and grilling show. Uh, Owl's Nest barbecue and grilling show. And I was like magically in love with Emma's voice. And I said, Steve, if there's any way I can convince you 
to use your studio and record that angel's voice. I'm going to start using it. And he said, I will do that. So she's available for contract work, by the way. I pay her handsomely, as you should as well. Uh, Coming up on the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less this coming Friday, we take you all the way back to 2010 and a visit with John Marcus, a double-header interview, as John Solberg, the executive producer, likes to say, where we talk extensively about what was then known as Season 1 of Barbecue Pitmasters, that's where they followed my best friend Johnny Triggeround, Harry Sue, Tuffy Stone, just to name a few. Now, conceptually speaking, that was not season one of Barbecue Pitmasters. It was actually, I think, three versions prior to that on Outdoor Living Network or the Challenge Network or whatever the hell high-rated cable or, or high-numbered cable channel. Not high-rated, high-numbered. Eventually, it got into that version of Barbecue Pitmasters, which was the first version that everybody fell in love with. Uh, By the way, revisionist history, everybody hated season one of Barbecue Pitmasters until season two of Barbecue Pitmasters came out, and then everybody went back and loved season one. Why can't it be like season one? Season two blows. We hate Kevin Roberts. He parboils his ribs. So you can check out a doubleheader with John Marcus coming up on Friday. Just subscribe to the podcast. Also, be sure to tune into my weekly radio appearance on the John Cupo Show here locally, Cleveland, 101.5 FM or 1330 AM. Otherwise, just get it on the Internet, WINTradio.com. I'm usually in there around 730, and it runs for about an hour or so. All right, quick update on the KCBS voting. It's finished. And as my friend Tan Mom likes to say, let's just cut right to the chase. Okay? Where's Sal? Let's just cut to the chase. Let's get right to the point that matters. Okay? In case you didn't know, both David Qualls and Candy Weaver voted onto the board. You're welcome. Once again, proving if you show up on this show, You get your platform out. You tell people to vote for me. You tell people why to vote for you. You get elected. Shall we run down the laundry list of people that have appeared on the show that got voted onto the board? David Qualls, Candy Weaver, in two different versions, has been voted on. Jason Cole appeared on this show uh, a year ago, was voted on. At the beginning of last year. And the list goes on. So don't come on to this show looking for a board spot and thinking that you're just going to do some lip service and you might not get elected. Don't think that. Show up on this show because you want to get on the board and you think you're going to make a change because you're going to get elected. Also, unrelated to this election... The Kansas City Barbecue Society made the official announcement that they hired Heath Hall from Pork Barrel Barbecue to be their new and first ever CEO. I assume he is going to have to step down as incoming president of the National Barbecue and Grilling Association if he hasn't done so already. He was the he was supposed to start his presidential ship now, I think. 
So he has accepted a position of CEO at KCBS. And probably until further notice, uh, that's probably going to be my last covering of any KCBS news going forward. Also, many emails asking, how was the duck? Well, you're going to have to wait for that because I don't have the duck yet. It's in transit. Embedded correspondence coming up next. Let me talk to you quickly about Green Mountain Grills. Some of the best pellet cookers out there on the market today. All I have to say is Green Mountain Grills and the word prime. And you will know in about a month's time what I'm talking about. Get excited now for what will be at a minimum a refresh of Green Mountain Grills, if not a full-blown change. Go to GreenMountainGrills.com and check out their selection of cookers. The Jim Bowie, that's the big one. Daniel Boone, that's middle size. The Davy Crockett, that's the mobile version. On that mobile, if you don't have access to a traditional power outlet, all you have to do is use the 12-volt adapter and plug it right in your car, truck, van, or SUV. Totally portable. And you get the wood pellet-fired taste. Come on. doesn't get any better than that. GreenMountainGrills.com is the place to go. They also have rubs and sauces, lots of great how-to videos with Sterling Smith and Fill the Grill, just to name a few. Also, pellets to fire those cookers. Don't forget to get the pizza oven insert if you get the Jim Bowie or the Daniel Boone. It's like 150 bucks or less. Get it on Amazon, have it shipped to you. And now you can have a high-heat pizza oven in lieu of using it as a slow and low cooker or a smoke roaster. Great. Huge versatility. Pizza parties all the time. So fun to make. So quick to make. It's Green Mountain Grills. Jason Baker and the gang, longtime sponsor of the show. GreenMountainGrills.com. That's GreenMountainGrills.com. The embedded correspondents are up next. Stick around. We'll be right back. The only show giving you a monthly visit from a doctor of barbecue. A man actually named Meathead. The author of a barbecue Bible. Bloggers, reviewers, competitors, and manufacturers by the dozens. It's the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, Smithfield lovers, go to Smokin, S-M-O-K-I-N, SmokinWithSmithfield.com. Make sure you are checking out everything they're updating that website with. There may or may not be now a few spots for the Committed Cooks program if you have 20 or 25 bucks. And the spot is still open. Go ahead and kick it over there. You'll get over $100 worth of gear back from Smithfield that you can represent once you start winning. They will have that Walking with Smithfield program available as well. Probably get Belinda Hammond back on the show here sooner than later to go over that. Good folks over at Smithfield. Just cooked up some of their bacon for dinner this evening. Very happy for that. All right, it's the fourth Tuesday of the month, and you know what that means. We're going to be welcoming in the embedded correspondence. We have the gentlemen's uh, from your top left looking, uh, Steve Ray from Tennessee. There's Doug Shiding right there. He's our Texas correspondent uh, in Texas, but the Oklahoma correspondent is David Huth, bottom left, and the gentleman from the state up north and will be ongoing, John Solberg, who also happens to be the executive producer of the best moments of the Barbecue Central show in 10 minutes or less. Uh, guys, I was just told by Christy Vanover that the dates for this year's Jack Daniel will be the weekend of October 26th. So while I did have 
a thought that Mike McLeod might be trying to flex his almighty uh, competition muscles to see if a cook would decide to either go to the Jack or go to World Food Championships. They are not a competing World Food will be the week in advance and then the Jack after that. Steve, do you think that's a good idea? Should Mike not try to compete with the Jack Daniels? Um, I don't think I don't think the WFC competes with the Jack Daniels, Greg. I, it's two different animals. Correct. I don't, but I, don't, I, don't, I don't think it mattered. My thought I don't think it would matter. My thought was that maybe he would try to go up against those dates on purpose. Uh, I don't think he even. I don't think when he set the date, it even crossed his mind. Hmm. Uh, Doug, I your really, thought? I don't think so. Yeah, I, I think it did probably cross his mind, but I think he was putting it out there because, like you, I couldn't find when the when the jack was, and last year it was at the end of the month. But uh, still, was a possibility of some uh, crossover between the two. John, did you think he was going to angle for that or no? Are you on mute, John? I got nothing. All right, David Huff, how about you? Uh, it seems kind of fishy that the dates ended up being the same. I don't know. It's a possibility. No, they're not the same. One's a week. Not one's same. one's a week yeah. ahead of itself. I mis I misunderstood what you were saying. Then uh, my apologies. That's all right. Uh, we have Steve, Doug, John. Are you there yet? I'm here. Okay. Um, did you have a thought on any conspiracy or what? I have no. I don't think it's going to be a conspiracy. Ultimately, the World Food Championship is going to crush most competition oh, barbecue. So, it, really, it's, just, it's going that direction. All right. Well, I'm not going to. Look, I. I mean, I. I. Okay. That's probably a, a different topic for a different day. I know Doug that certainly has uh, a, a disagreeing opinion on that. Probably Steve does too, but because there are two different angles. Uh, David, do you have a disagreeing opinion on that as well? It's probably three against uh, two. Uh, no, I don't have an opinion right now. No opinion. All right. Um, I'm just too busy seeing Doug shaking his head that is cracking me up. All right. Uh, (laughs) uh, David, you need to make sure you're talking that loud all the time. Otherwise, uh, I'm going to have to let you go back to Texas. You're in Amarillo, right? Yes, I am in Amarillo. Okay. Uh, okay. So first topic of this evening, gentlemen's is number one, pellets. Can you really taste a difference in the type of pellet or the species of wood pellet. And uh, let me go to John Solberg first. John obviously uses a, a number of cookers, but he does have a Green Mountain Grill. So give me your thoughts, John. Um, I can't really find a different taste in different flavor blends unless I'm using mesquite. I can taste the mesquite pellet, but if I got a oak and cherry blend, a oak apple blend, a maple apple blend. I don't really taste the difference in the pellet itself. Doug? Yeah, I, I agree. Mesquite, you can taste uh, a little bit of a difference. There is one uh, Traeger blend called the Big Game blend, and it has a rosemary. As you know, people know, Traeger has a patent for uh, oils in, in pellets. It has a rosemary flavor to it. I uh, did an event uh, for Traeger and uh, smoked my brisket all night using a, a rosemary, uh, the rosemary and big game blend. You could taste the rosemary on the brisket. So in that case, yes, I could taste it. I, I actually do uh, 
drink a bit of wine. And so I, I, uh, have somewhat of a discerning taste, but, um, I can't really taste the, uh, the, the variation in smoke very much on, on pellet. So I don't think it's as big of a factor as most people do. Doug, I don't want to ask you a question that you can't answer. And I'm certainly not asking you to speak on behalf of Traeger. I can do that with Chad when he comes on the show, but as you had sure. mentioned, they did, they do have a, a patent on these oils that flavor wood pellets when i had pushed what was then mr barbecue and and the the sales and marketing guy for traeger corporate you know five ten years ago whatever it was he was completely unwilling to even talk about it do the current leadership of traeger talk about it or do they still like not like to mention it unless it's brought up or or what yeah, I don't. I don't think there's anything uh, trying to you know hide it or cover it up or whatever. Do they promote it? No. But uh, is it a big factor? No. For me, not really. Uh, to me, yeah. To me, it's it's Traeger has control of their pellets from start to finish, and and that's more of a factor than than you know putting a rosemary oil or whatever oils in the in the pellets. Uh, David Hoff, you run a very top line Yoder pellet cooker, amongst others. Um, what do you think about the pellets? No, I can't really tell a difference in flavor, um, nor can I tell a difference necessarily from brand to brand. Um, we might get into that, but from a flavor standpoint, unless it's pure hickory, um, I can I can taste that. But other than that, it, they all seem the same, especially when they get into competition blends where they're mixing three or four different types of wood in one pellet and almost all runs together. Uh, Steve, I know you don't have a pellet cooker per se, but I'm sure you have had to have sampled meat from a pellet cooker. I mean, it's not like, you know, only two or three people across the country have them. Uh, four out of the five of us actually own at least one pellet cooker. Um, if you are. What do you think about uh, pellet cookers? Are you not a fan? I, I don't have one. I, I don't know if I'm a fan or not because I've never used one. I, but I don't understand. They make all these flavors of pellets, and the, and, and the panel says, I can't really taste the difference in the in the pellets. And you go to the store, and there's cherry, oak, spearmint, peppermint. You know, you know, I've got. Let me get to my favorite flavor of pellets. I like these pellets right here. Kingsford charcoal. That, that's the pellet that I use in my smokers. And you know what I use when I run out of that? What? I get these pellets. Wow! I got a guy in Ringgold, Georgia, that makes these pellets for me. They're called sticks. Hmm. And you can tell the difference. That's a that's a that's a uh, oak stick, and you can tell the difference between an oak stick and a and a hickory stick. Yeah, well, I mean, so, so I guess that's where the the big question lies here. Let's quickly go around the panel. Steve, are you saying with one hundred percent assurity that if I fired up my Lang offset cooker and cooked barbecue foods for you, and that is not a Kinger reference that just happens to have rolled off the tongue, that if I used apple sticks and then went to hickory sticks and then went to oak sticks that you would be able to tell me which species of wood that is i couldn't tell you which species of wood i could i could recognize a taste if you cooked a different meat if you put three meats in front of me had apple oak and hickory i could i could definitely taste a difference so using real wood but now, I mean, that's you, the, the, I, I would think that's what a pellet is, though, right, guys? This is the argument it, that they're making, though, right? Is that even though there's they, all these flavors, they're not they able to pick yeah, out they can't, exactly. They can't tell the difference, but yeah. they make. You know, I go, I go to Walmart, I see a whole wall full of them. There's like 25 different flavors, but nobody can tell the difference. 
I don't get, here's the thing. I don't get it. All right. Here's go, the thing. Go a lot of pellets, a lot of pellets use a base wood, you know, so depending on the regionality. Um, so like here in Texas, I think the base wood is a, you know, oak 70%. So if you're, if you're getting hickory, you're using a base wood of oak and then it's like 30, 40% hickory. So th- there is a blending, just like Dave said, in terms of, you know, it all kind of blends together now. Now I do think that cherry may uh, impart some, you know, a little bit of color, you know, so a lot of people use cherry with ribs and things. And I do use apple with, uh, mm-hmm. with chicken and, and poultry, you know, it is, it is a little lighter, but, uh, I just don't mess with the pellets as a variable, uh, too much. I just use pretty much the same thing. Like the Texas blend I use for most everything in apple for poultry. Uh, John, your thoughts as you know, I use the same kind of pellet all the time. I played around with them. I don't want to mess with it. I just want to put in, I use a maple cherry blend because it was the last time I bought a big batch. They were affordable. Uh-huh. Uh, Michigan maple is the base wood uh, for Michigan made pellets. But I just, I can't, I can't tell you the difference between an oak pellet base and a maple pellet base. Could you, could you tell the difference if I cooked on a stick burner? Between, I think I could if you were cooking with some mesquite in there. Yes, yeah. but. Uh, hickory and oak maybe but other than that no i couldn't tell david if i cooked on sticks or a pellet cooker would you have the same issue discerning between species i think it would be easier on on sticks for sure just because the overall flavor is more intense i mean that's a lot of people that don't like pellet cookers that's their number one complaint there's not a strong enough wood flavor and to doug's point the base of almost everything I can find here locally is oak with flavorings added. And I can tell a difference in flavor if I get a hundred, there are some people that make 100% pecan, 100% cherry in the pellets, and they're very expensive. And to John's point, I go to my local um, big box warehouse store, like a Home Depot or Lowe's, I can get a 40 pound bag of pellets for 16, actually last time it was 14.99, um, that's a lot less expensive than if you're buying these blends that say they're hundred percent and with the difference being so slight between the two, I'd rather buy twice as many pellets. Uh, that's a good dovetail into the second part of this question, which is, do you see a difference in quality depending on, I guess, what would be a manufacturer, John? I don't, uh, I've used what I would say a low end pellet and I'm not knocking this pellet. Uh, it's pit boss, you know, it's a, it's a Walmart pellet. Um, I use a high end pellet now and, and yeah, I can look at the pellet and see a physical difference in the pellet, but it doesn't perform any differently. I might get a little more dust in the bag, but for me, dust is, it's still wood. It's still going in the hopper, still going to go down the auger. It's still going to burn. So I, I, I find no difference in quality compared to taste. Doug. John, one question. When you say you see a physical difference in the pellet, what do you mean? Um, it's, you know, it, it may be a slightly different color. There tends to be smaller, maybe there's smaller pieces, you know, maybe there's more dust in the bag. Okay. Um, I I actually do. I, the uh, two, three times I've used other pellets, I have found that, uh, particularly one brand in, in uh, particular, which will remain nameless, um, produces a lot more ash and, uh, I don't want that ash on my food. And so, uh, you know, with Traeger pellets and, uh, they're, they're made specifically with the right amount of humidity. And if you'll notice the, uh, uh, new pellet should be shiny. 
That's why I was asking John in terms of, hmm. you know, it should be shiny. Once it starts absorbing some some moisture from the air, et cetera, like if you've got an open bag or, you know, you haven't really stored it very well, it'll start to become dull. And then that's actually changing the the pellet. And pellets, um, from what I know, have a shelf life of about, uh, about one year. So um, I think there is definitely a difference in the the quality of pellets just based on the amount of ash that it produces. Uh, Steve, I, I assume you don't really have too much of an opinion here. <laughs> I've always got an opinion, Greg. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I don't want to put you on the spot, and then you know you don't really well, have too much to say. I, I, don't, I don't know about. Um, I just don't know about. It. I don't even know how they work. Doug said something about they don't put out as much ash. Does do pellet cookers put out a, a byproduct or what? Do, I thought it, I thought the pellets dropped into a went down a little tube into a little cup and and yep. burned and and where does that where does it just collects it, on ash? the bottom. It comes out of the bottom. Yeah. Just, so they do. There's a byproduct. Yeah. Just a oh, little, okay. it's like okay. I don't know. Fly ash or something along these lines. I mean, it's not fly ash per se, but I mean, it's just, you know, burned uh, a lot less byproduct that you would get from, you know, burning regular sticks, I would say. For so sure. can, that get in, can that get into the chamber of the smoker? Yeah, that's what I mean. So if it's producing a lot of ash, that that is going to, uh, you know, you can actually see it. You can sometimes see it on the outside of the smoker. Um, and then that's obviously getting on your food as well. Well, I know in a, in a gravity smoker, you have to, I, I went at a competition. I always fill mine up after when it's halfway, because, uh, if you, if you let it get too low, it'll, it'll create a lot of ash. It'll go into the smoker when you, when you drop the charcoals down in the chimney, if they get a long way to drop. So, right. I say principle, I guess. Uh, David, yeah. your thoughts. I haven't seen a big difference in quality. Um, the way the Yoder's designed, it has holes that gradually get larger, the further away, you are from the uh, firebox. And so the closer where it is where you're going to have more ash, it's less likely for them, the ash to actually come up into the food. So I really haven't seen that issue. The one thing I'd like to do is kind of run a test um, with different pellets to see if they burn any faster or longer or if you get more time out of them. The problem that I've tried before and one time it was 32 degrees and I felt like I went through 40 pounds of pellets in about six hours. Mm. And then in the middle of the summer when I'm cooking, I can make a 40 pound bag go through three or four cooks. Sure. Um, so I'd like to see quality on the same type of day, like the same temperature running in the same smoker. I'd like to see if one lasted longer than the other, but no discerning difference in, in anything else. All right. Yeah. I mean, I've used uh, Green Mountain Grill pellets. I've used Traeger pellets. I've used barbecue or delight pellets, obviously cooking pellets. And I would say on the whole, now uh, cooking pellets does offer some of those 100% species wood. I think they have a hickory pellet. They might have something else. And they've been getting into a lot of other uh, avant-garde flavors like the you know apple mash jack uh, pellet and stuff like this. But um, by and large, as Doug said, if it's not... <laughs> Uh, a batch that maybe got misplaced in the warehouse somewhere and it's got four years of age on it. I mean, this isn't like a California Cabernet that's going to get better after five years and 10 years. It's going to go downhill. Or water has gotten into it and uh, expanded the pellets. Obviously, that's a bad thing. I really haven't noticed too much of a difference other than maybe some byproduct ash. Um, so I'm not too concerned about. I just want to have access to some type of food-grade pellet should I need it. And that's my major concern. And then if there are some brands that I have a little bit easier access to than I'm partial to, then obviously I'll buy those. Uh, Doug, can I, can I ask you real quick, the Apple 
Jack Pellet. I tried that. I was pretty disappointed. Like the concept of there being fruit particles in, in the pellet, I, I, I was really excited when I tried that. I couldn't tell any difference in that in, you know, a regular applewood pellet or cherry wood pellet. Could you? Uh, I, no, I, I said apple pellets. I, I've never used Applejack. Sorry. Great. Yeah. <laughs> those are cooking pellets, right? The ones yeah. you're talking about? Okay. Yeah, I haven't uh, used those yet, <laughs> um, but I would like to get my hands on it for sure. Uh, let's move to the second question. Favorite non-barbecue dishes or proteins for socials or parties, gatherings, what have you? And uh, this will take us up to the first break. Uh, Steve, we'll start with you. Uh, anything bacon. I like to do homemade bacon. I like to do slices of bacon. I'll do uh, uh, burnt belly, uh, pork belly burn-ins. And uh, I love doing it. Just love anything bacon. And I've been getting into a little Chinese food lately. I'm not 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 a not a, a chef type of Chinese. I, I open the bag and you know the frozen bag and throw it in the skillet. But that's a big deal for me because I never I've never tried Chinese food ever until the last. Well, no, not what? ever. It's like like the last year and a half. I've just acquired a taste for it, and uh, because as you get older, you guys will you guys will someday go through this. As you get older. Your taste buds die. Like I can't taste a steak. The only thing I can taste on a steak is the uh, butcher's barbecue rub and the, um, the any kind of a steak sauce that I might be using at the time. What? But with Chinese food, I can taste it. Steve, have you steak been to the sauce? doctor? I mean, maybe this isn't you know doctor? you hit fifty Uh-oh. and your tongue dies. I mean, maybe you've got a real issue. No, no, I don't smoke. Uh, I don't do anything that would kill. It's just. It's just a natural thing. I, I've talked with my my buddies, and they say the same thing. But I tell you what, orange, that orange chicken that these Chinese people make is just off these the chain. These Chinese people? <laughs> what the <laughs> hell are you talking about? <laughs> these have Chinese people? Have you, don't you all have a Panda Express in oh Cleveland? Oh, my God. Yes, but. Well, that's who works there, Chinese people. All right. So they're wonderful people. <laughs> yes, of course. <laughs> they're wonderful. Course. I mean, they cook. They got these huge walks back there. and they. Right. Watch them on that gas thing. They hit that gas gas pedal, and the gas flies up everywhere. It's awesome. And you, in the food so taste, and you are just now finding your stride on Chinese food. Yes, I, I know. Never I as know. a kid growing up, you know, no, no. quick Didn't dinner never, never got on my radar. Never. Beef and broccoli, nothing? nothing. Never got on your radar. Was there Chinese never. restaurants in Ultawa? Uh, yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple, but I never oh, went in them. Interesting. So it's are just, you are, are you almost to the, the jump-off point of doing a Chinese takeout? Chinese takeout? What do you mean, ordering it to go? Yes. <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> I go to the Panda Express right across the street. It's got a drive-through window. All right. I've well, got the. I, I have those little boxes here. I use the little Chinese boxes all the time. Look, I want to put you on assignment for next month. I want you to go to get Chinese takeout, and then I want an evaluation. That's an assignment. About chopsticks too. I know how to use chopsticks now too. I don't know how to do that, but I mean, I've had Chinese food for as long as I can remember. Oh my goodness! All right, um, guys, we're going to get to the rest of you here in just a minute. Let me do a little quick read for the gang over at Traker. That's right. Hey, behind every great meal is a great grill. Not just any grill, the Traeger Grill and the Timberline is Traeger's most advanced grill yet. It allows you to grill 
smoke, bake, roast, braise, and barbecue like a pro, no matter what your level, thanks to the incredible wood fire taste. Seriously, you don't know flavor till you're cooking with it. Traeger Grills use all-natural hardwood pellets as fuel, so you're literally cooking with flavor. From low and slow smoked ribs to a seared steak, even a baked apple pie, Traegers can handle it all. And the Traeger Timberline makes it even easier thanks to the Wi-Fi capability. You can check on your cooks, kick up the temperature, and set custom cook cycles anytime, anywhere, right from your phone through the Traeger Grill app. In fact, if I had a brisket on the grill right now, I could check everything, make adjustments. It would be awesome. You can find one at your local Traeger dealer, maybe, or better to check them out online, TraegerGrills.com, especially the Timberline. They're very sought-after items. Want to beef up that barbecue game of years? Hell yeah. Traeger Grills shop class is going coast to coast, bringing barbecue knowledge and amazing wood-fired food everywhere they go. Taught by professionals like Texas Embedded Correspondent Doug Shiding and Matt Pittman and Chad Ward and Danielle Bennett and all those guys. You'll help. They will help you bring home all the skills you need to reach barbecue glory. That's right. Find a shop class near you by signing up today at TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. That's TraegerGrills.com slash shop class. We will be back with the embedded correspondence and those Chinese people. Stick around. We'll be right back. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rampey. All right, welcome back. We're talking about favorite non-barbecue dishes for parties, maybe just for dinner. Steve Ray has unveiled a revelation the likes I have never heard. Steve, how old are you? I'll be 60 in April. Just now finding out about Chinese food. Congratulations. Thank you. You like egg rolls? Love them. All right. Me too. Doug, what do you like for non-barbecue food? Non-barbecue and uh, kind of uh, party stuff. Uh, I make, you know, queso, chips. Oh, no. Doug! He'll come back here in a second. the pyramid. Yes. Doug, you just blinked out. Go ahead and start Hello? again. No, it was it was the internet. Go ahead. I blinked out. Yeah. Uh, oh, okay. You said right. queso, so, so anyway. and then the internet hated it and, and muted you. Oh. <laughs> uh, queso is a basic food group for me, so it's on the bottom of the pyramid, uh, chips and hot sauce. And so I like to do smoked queso on uh, on the, the pit. And uh, I actually cold smoke the the cheese ahead of time. It's, I like to cold smoke shredded cheese first of all. And uh, Steve, pay attention. And <laughs> and <laughs> his producer is so talking we'll, to him. Yeah, exactly. So uh, I in um, so I I cook that in a Dutch oven, and then uh, so I add some ch- uh, chorizo uh, to it and some other things. And so I like to do uh, smoked queso. I also like to do uh, carne gasada. And uh, as uh, Fred Robles uh, says to me, it's the gringo version of carne gasada. And uh, so I use the, the, my trimmings from brisket, and then I uh, uh, smoke that overnight, and then I put that into a, 
uh, a braising liquid and make a carne asada for like breakfast and tacos and, and things like that. From a non-meat standpoint, um, I actually have a, a just released on the Traeger side a, a, a smoked sea bass recipe. And that was a, a recipe that I developed when I was asked to cook uh, for the Zach Brown Band. And when he's touring, he does not eat meat. Even I tried hard, really hard to get him to try some meat, but uh, he wanted uh, sea bass because he thinks it messes with his vocal cords when he's when he's uh, on tour, so he doesn't mm. eat meat. So, but uh, he liked it so much that he took took both of my rubs that I use uh, for the for the recipe because he wanted his his guys uh, to cook it. So, those are some of the things I cook. Uh, Doug, is there a you know is is it a big Mexican influence down where you are, food wise or not? Uh, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I go to I go eat Mexican food two to three times a a week, and wow. I I get breakfast tacos in the morning probably three to four times a week. Uh, John Solberg, your favorite non barbecue related food? You know, I I love to make big pots of soup. I love to make scratch mm. stock. Mm-hmm. I love to make a big stock and then make two different kinds of soups. If you're having a party. Throw down a just, and the crazy part is I'm not really a big soup fan, but I I absolutely love to make them, or soup stews, jambalayas, uh, you know, those kind of things. I just it's really enjoyable for me to do it. To be honest, David, favorite non barbecue foods? Yeah, so um, I like making fish. Um, right now, one of my favorite things to do is to. Use the Instapot to make carnitas. Uh, I love pork carnitas, and um, you know that takes a long time if you're doing it traditionally. Instapot, I think it's done in about an hour, so that's great. I've just ordered the stuff to get into trying to roll my own sushi. I could lo- I could eat sushi breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Mm. Um, I, I love it, and I would like to try to start preparing it myself. And then what Doug said uh, with dips, chips and dips at a party, especially have four or five different kinds of dips for people to try. Um, I have a recipe uh, for Huff Daddy dip, which is sausage, cream cheese, corn, rotel, onions. Um, It's a fantastic in place of a queso. And um, yeah, that's about it. Is a you said you're a big sushi fan now, uh, much like Steve being introduced to Chinese food. I mean, I knew about sushi for you know years, but I've always was a little weirded out by it. But I tried it about four months ago, and immediately head over heels in love for the most part. I mean, some of the stuff eh, a little too skeeved out with, but I would say at least fifty percent of the stuff I'm pretty good with. Is that a and you're a you know a big keto guy, David? We we kind of follow your progress and, and live with your results there. So is that a <laughs> like a friendly thing to you, or are you? Like rice or what? Uh, so if I'm on keto, and as you know, I've gone on and off and trying to get back on it. If you're on keto, you can't eat the rolls. You can mm. eat sashimi, which is just the fish raw. Um, or you can have rolls that some of them are made without rice. But no, that white grain rice mm-hmm. uh, on a sushi roll is definitely uh, not keto friendly. All right, my favorite non-barbecue foods. I can't believe nobody said this. For crying out loud, every day of the week, twice on Sunday, actually twice every day, pizza. What? Of course. Any kind of pizza, the worst pizza is still, I mean, it's like sex. The worst sex is still the best sex. The worst pizza is still the best pizza in my regard. So that would be my pick for favorite non-barbecue food. 
although running a very tight second, it could be 1A, 1B, and these are not keto-friendly or any diet-friendly. What I just made for dinner tonight, which is uh, spaghetti, I love making a pot of homemade red sauce, which I have a recipe for and I love to do. I love the romance and the chemistry of making a great red sauce and replicating it time after time putting in the meatballs, putting in the sausage, letting it go for five and six hours at a slow cook, letting it thicken up just to the right consistency, and then putting it on top of al dente, thin spaghetti, topping with some fresh grated pecorino romano parmigiana. Love it. It's my favorite stuff. And some, Thank God I was blessed with a great metabolism because otherwise I would be a big fat fuck. But luckily, I was able to somehow get away from that. But I'll be paying for it in the end, which is why I started working out, like, for a week. But we'll see how did long that Did you just go Jada De Laurenta on us there, Doug? I mean, Greg. You're damn right I did. Accent. Yes, I did. <laughs> Fake accent. All English until we got to the Italian words, and then I nerded out. Uh, question number three. We'll start with David Huff. People posting workout videos on Instagram. For or against? And here's specifically what I'm talking about. If your deal on Instagram is Johnny Cake Fitness and you're posting videos of you being a fitness guy, okay, that's your deal. What I'm talking about specifically is, um, you know, I I had him on the show, uh, Nick Solaris. Love this guy's feed. Love the pictures that he's taking. I don't understand why I see four or five Instagram stories back to back to back with him boxing a heavy bag in his apartment and doing footwork and jumping rope. I don't get where that fits in. Also, uh, Salt Bay. I love his uh, cutting of the steaks and he's showing all of his various new Surette uh, restaurants around the world. And then I got to watch eight videos of him. Uh, granted, Sculpted like a god. Six, but maybe he has an eight pack. He's very strong. He's in tip top condition. I could give a rat's ass that he does the heavy ropes, that he can bench press 700 pounds 15 times. Food wise, if you are doing food, do food. I don't get the workout video. I'm not posting of me getting up at 4:30 in the morning and getting on the elliptical machine. So you know what I'm doing. Who gives a crap about that, David? Where are you at? <laughs> well, you can tell I'm not on the workout videos. I can tell you that <laughs> much right now. Play the fat drop. Miss, <laughs> oh, thank you. There you go. Um, no, I don't it. get it. I'm with you, Greg. People are known for things on Instagram. They have their thing. Don't try to cross them, especially not with workouts. Who cares? There's plenty of people that are workout people that I can follow if that's what I want. So, you know, stick with food if that's your thing. Steve? Yeah, it, it depends on who it is. It's Christy Brinkley, I'm all I'm all about it. Yeah, but she's if not making food pictures, Steve. No, but she's doing workout videos. I know, but so I just great. said if she's if your deal is fitness, then do that. That's Hell, fine. Hey, if Christy Brinkley wants to cook spaghetti, I'd watch her too. Yeah, I bet you would. Brooke, Brooke Shields, the same thing. She cooks. She has... Food pictures, and she mixes it up a little bit. Classic beauty, Steve. Good polls. Oh, you got that right. Uh, Doug, what do you think? Um, uh, I actually think it's a it's a borderline between uh, the, the people that post them. They either tend to be narcissistic and narcissism, and why are they posting? Because they're doing it for themselves. Um, 
on the other people are the ones that are actually doing good. And, you know, and I'm more of a picture guy. I don't need to see the video. I go to the gym three to four times a week. I don't need to see, I, I get seeing other people work out all the time, but if they're posting and it is a kind of a, a way to kind of motivate them to move forward and lose more weight, et cetera, and, you know, show everyone how much they've lost. I'm good with that. Keep doing it. And, and keep working out. But uh, I think for the most part, just keep your videos to yourself. John? Well, Instagram is a very individual thing. Um, people, I don't want to, not everybody on Instagram is like us who are solely focused on one thing. So I, I tolerate it. Uh, I don't tend to like it. I tend to skip over it. Um, and, and, and again, it's, it's individual. So I guess I'm going to take a neutral stance. Um, but if it gets to be too much, yeah, it's like, I don't need to see it. You know, the thing that really gets me is stop showing me the sign of your gym every morning at 4am and say, Hey, I'm going to the gym. Oh, well, it's the same planet fitness sign. I've seen the last seven days. I'm good. I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> that's where that, that's the thing that gets me. Um, the rest of it, it's, I think it's all real individual. A uh, question to round out the evening gentlemen, which is should Korean barbecue joints be paying their customers instead of the other way around or at least rebate some cash back because you are cooking your food so why go out doug okay all right i guess we know who posted this ridiculous question me but uh yeah unbelievable no (laughs) is is the guest cooking for the waiter No. no does somebody pay you to cook at home no no do you pay for food to take home? Yes. Is this a business? Yes. So I, I think that it's ridiculous. <laughs> uh, it's a ridiculous uh, presumption that uh, we, they should be paying us. Now, there is one place in uh, San Antonio that will charge you more, Korean barbecue, that will charge you more uh, if you leave food on your plate and don't cook it. So they are, they'll charge you an extra 4 to $5 if you get some of the food and then don't cook it all. So I thought that's, a, that's an interesting take. So instead of 18 bucks, maybe it's 23 bucks a person. So, But uh, anyway. You have no problem with you having to go cook your meal at some place that you're paying. I have I have no problem no doing problem. that. All right. And in fact, I, I've been uh, to Seoul, South Korea, and I have cooked my meal over there. Now I'm not sure what meat it was, but I did cook some. Uh, what do they call it? Bulgogi. I did cook some bulgogi over there. Uh, Steve, your thoughts? All right. And Doug, what that Bulgaria that that's, that word you use is, is uh, Korean for dachshund. I, I speak Korean. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I I have never I've never been to a Korean barbecue. I don't even know what it is. Surprise! We don't ha- we don't have one in Chattanooga. It's right next to the Chinese restaurant. Yeah, I know where that is. The what what is it? We're we're getting one here in Chattanooga. The first one ever. Uh, what do you what do you mean? You have to cook your own food? I have no idea what you're talking about. I mean, I guess uh, Doug, no you correct me if I'm wrong, but just to go real high level, it would be like if you go to a Japanese you know steakhouse or, or a, a hibachi where they you know have that hot thing right in the middle of the table. Now, you know, the difference, of course, being is they do send a chef out at that and they do all the tricks and tomfoolery. But here, you they give you the raw meat and then you have to cook it. What do you mean raw meat? Like, what if you, I mean, if you want a, a pork, 
They they bring you a pork chop. And you have to cook it. Yeah, yeah. Or or stay. I mean, yes. I mean, a Korean pork chop. Korean yes. barbecue means I'm, I'm assuming they eat pigs over there. Those Korean people. Wow, <laughs> I, knew that, I knew that was coming. That was coming. I, I, I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I, I'm, I'm not. I'm not playing dumb. I am dumb. Doug, All is right? that is that, I that have no is, idea? That's right, Korean, right. I mean, you're cooking I'll, your I'll food. Watch. Doug, yeah, you're cooking your food, right? Yes, I'm yeah. cooking my food, and a lot of times, as we've proven in our steak research, we can cook the damn steak better than than the chef can. <laughs> well, what agreed. do they give you to cook, though? What I mean. Tell me what you cooked, Doug. I mean, I mean, where did you order? Say, I want a steak, and then they bring you a steak, and you cooked it. You, no, they they bring you like shredded meat. You can they bring you some fish. I know how much you like fish. They they bring you chicken. You can ask for various types of meat, and then you can cook them. Oh, okay. Yeah. On a griddle. Uh, on a, like a round pan up in in the front, in like in, the, in the middle like of the table. Like a big Evo, right? I guess. Yeah. Something along those lines. Okay. All right. I don't know about it. Well, we're getting one. We're getting one here. The next couple of weeks is going to open. I'll, I'll, I'll go. David. I'll report, I'll report back. David, what do you know? So it's all part of the experience, right? I mean, people make money off of different food ventures. That's not nearly as ridiculous as going to eat in complete darkness. I don't understand that food trend where you can't see your food. You just have to go by smell and taste. I mean, there's lots of weird trends. Nothing wrong with the Korean barbecue, cooking your food. Um, I agree to <laughs> to Doug's point. I probably trust myself more than <laughs> the chef sometimes anyway. Uh, John, your thought on Korean barbecue? You know, the Korean barbecue I go to here where I live, you don't cook your food. Oh. You can tend it. The server brings it out, lays it on the table, grill she does the cooking. She might walk away. All the sides are brought out. You may have to tend to the food a little bit. and But no, I, I if, if she walked away and I'm cooking it, I'm cooking it. I don't have a problem with it at all. I'm, I think the Korean barbecue experience itself, the Korean food culture is, is an incredible experience. I, I love it a lot. And uh, I, if I got to cook it, I'm going to cook it. But I don't typically run into that. Uh, the top left of your screen is embedded correspondent from Tennessee, Steve Ray, Owl's Nest Barbecue. Steve, when is your show on the internet? Tomorrow night, seven o'clock. Matt you, Barber, Matt Barber, Hot Wachulas, Hot right back from Europe. He'll be telling us all about his cooking experience in the North Italian Alps. Wow, nice. How about that? Nice. Nice. Uh, bottom yeah. left, currently in Amarillo, Texas, but representing Oklahoma as the Oklahoma embedded correspondent, David Huff. The gentleman on your bottom right is John Solberg, the executive producer of the Best Moments of the Barbecue Central Show in 10 Minutes or Less, hailing from Michigan, and the longest tenured embedded correspondent, the first ever, by the way, Doug Scheiding is from Texas. Guys, always appreciate the time, and we will look for you again next month. The embedded correspondence, bringing it strong as always, no doubt about it. All guests appear via the Traeger Grills hotline. Wow. Well, yummy. Girls can grill in the instant chat saying that they were over in uh, Korea and said that the experience is great. So... I will find the best Korean barbecue joint 
in Cleveland, and I will go. Maybe I'll hit up my buddy Doug Tratner. All right. We will uh, round for home here. Stick around. We'll be right back. Whole packers, full racks, legs and thighs, injecting butts. If you've never heard this before, you might think you've found the best Triple X show ever. Let's get back to the most homoerotic host out there today, Craig Rimpey. And this segment brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via Bluetooth. If you have Alexa or the Google Assistant in your home, your luck. Fireboard fully integrated with both. Find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. I just got mine a couple weeks ago. Let me tell you, set up super easy. Paired right with the phone, got right on my local area network. Bing, bang, boom. I'm on Wi-Fi monitoring. And again, you can load out with up to six different temperatures. Uh, Temperature probes, either pit or internal. Also, they do have the one that has the fan uh, option as well. So, there you go. Let's head out. All the way back in the first hour, we talked with Susie Bullock from Hey Grill Hay. Her website is heygrillhay.com. If you like her stuff and you're interested in getting some more exclusive content, then you're going to want to sign up for her Grill Squad. 50 bucks for the year. Sounds like pretty good value. They have podcasts that are going to be released only to the Grill Squad. Nice. Maybe I should make the Centralite Squad and uh, not release any more of these audio podcasts unless you sign up. That'd be a good idea. Second hour. Steve Ray from Tennessee. Doug Shining from Texas. David Huff from Oklahoma. And John Solberg from Michigan. The Embedded Correspondents talking about a number of topics tonight successful as always big show planned for you next week hope you're planning on making it for that sign up for the podcast if you're going to miss it go to the website hit the subscribe link and it gives you all the ways you can even get it via email believe it or not september 11th 2001 i will never forget Until next Tuesday at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, this is your program host and proud U.S. American, Greg Rempe. Good night now.